it's another wild Nick Cage movie, but does it work? Today I'm talking about Prisoners of the Ghostland. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about one of the most recent Nicolas Cage movies. As you all know, Nick Cage is the patron saint of this podcast, and just for his vibes, all of his vibes, and his general uncouth style when it comes to acting. And this is one of his most recent entries. It's kind of a weird one, as can be said for a lot of his recent movies, but this one's kind of interesting to talk about, so let's get started. I've lovingly joked that Nicolas Cage seems to be in on the joke about how people perceive him and his acting. What other actor could star as himself in a movie about his terrible burden of talent with a straight face, enjoy destroying a bunch of animatronics without saying a word, or host a Netflix show about cursing seemingly for funsies? I bring this up because when a movie's selling point is Nick Cage himself saying it's one of the wildest things he's ever made, that'll make you take notice. Cage stars as the hero a former bank robber who's been captured by the local sheriff and tagged with explosives. His mission? To find the sheriff's favorite girl and bring her back intact in the allotted time. And if not, well, there's a bunch of explosive devices all over his person that need to be need a key to be unlocked. But will Hero embrace his original mission or go off the beaten path? Prisoners of the Ghostland is best enjoyed as a fascination rather than a movie. Because as a movie, it is janky, and seemingly can't decide between traditional narrative structure and more abstract and surreal approach, a la Alejandro Jodorowsky. The basic structure is a movie about a formerly bad, formerly bad man learning to redeem himself and save a bunch of people from an oppressive leader. But how we end up there is what makes the movie interesting, and hard to recommend at the same time. For the first two-thirds of the movie, we're essentially getting a seesaw between lengthy flashbacks and exposition, Nick Cage reactions played for comedy, and a vision of this absurd world through Cage's lens as an outsider. The two main locations, a traditional-looking Japanese village run by a white-suited man, white-suited white man in a cowboy hat, and something akin to an apocalyptic ancient ruins, where everyone speaks in awkward metaphors. Both of these locations are visually interesting and feature a slew of creative imagery and moments that also don't make a big difference in the plot. Said plot only gets going in the third act, at which point the action-heavy B-movie everyone probably expected up to this point gets going. Individually, these are pretty fun, because the movie gives Nick Cage plenty of absurd things to do and react to, whether it's riding a children's bike or dealing with some unsavory injuries. But as a movie, it's janky. In essence, two-thirds of this movie are all straightforward world-building and exposition told either through flashback or metaphor, which is hard to get invested in and hard to get invested in the story. It's also weird that the movie triggers flashback via injuries to Hero multiple times. Ultimately, ultimately my recommendation comes down to how much you are, how much you're into offbeat movies. Do you want to watch Nick Cage react to a world gone mad, or do you want a comprehensive story? The verdict is, it's weird fun in doses. Though it certainly stands out as a fascination, Prisoners of the Ghostland is hard to recommend. 5 out of 10. Mm-hmm.
This has been Scott's Self Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.